Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to another episode of Turn Backward, a Star Trek podcast from England. I'm Rick Palmer, one of the hosts, and I'm joined by Rick Everson. Hello. And Will Turland. Hello. But not Gemma Turland, who unfortunately is a bit poorly. Yeah, that's right. She's she's no. in bed for sleep. Not feeling great. Which is a shame. Yeah. Get well soon, Gemma. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in this episode, we are going to be discussing the Star Trek the Next Generation two-parter, Time's Arrow, which I believe kind of bridged, went from season five to season six. It did, yes. Yes, if you, <laughs> I got that right. And um, it's, a, it's a fun old romp. It's my suggestion. For, it was my suggestion to discuss this two-parter. Because um, um, it's one of those episodes that I've always had fond memories of. It's not one that I didn't like and then liked or liked and then haven't liked so much as it's gotten older. Um, and luckily, my my co-hosts agreed that we could discuss it, and so here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one times, Eric, because I don't. I, it, it's not a, a two parter that people seem to talk about very much. I think you know, it's not best of both worlds, or um, or you know, or, or year of hell, or it's, it's it's not one of the sort of big ones. No, it's interesting because obviously the, the two-part started ending Series 3 with Best of Both Worlds. That was a massive, big-deal cliffhanger. Um, then Series 4 ended with um, Redemption, which was a pretty epic-scale political thing. Um, then we had, in the mid, well, early in Season 5, Unification with Spock in it. So they've been mm. quite big deals. And then this one is almost, almost a bit of a low-key one in a way, even though obviously the the, the the early premise is data, data well, we've data died in the past what what happened um, but in in terms of like say a comparable cliffhanger thing um, it, th- there's no direct cliffhanger resolution to it you know they pick up after the cliffhanger some months on yeah and yeah just... and it's just it's just all a, sort of a little bit low key and um, I can mm. it does almost feel like it was a kind of single episode idea that was that was stretched out to a double episode. I did read that they were initially not going to do a cliffhanger. They weren't going to have a two-part story for the end of season five. Um, and it was it was only the upcoming um, debut of Deep Space Nine that made them say, actually, let's do this, because we want to remind people that just because Deep Space Nine's coming up, next gen is still going, it's still kicking. Yeah, that's mm. interesting. Okay. Um, and I have to admit, the episode it does have um, I, I, it does have a, a brilliant opening setup, uh, which makes now I watch it makes me chuckle. Is that the Enterprise is is called back home to Earth because they found something, but <laughs> but Starfleet won't tell them what it is until they, <laughs> yeah. until they get down into the cave. <laughs> and there's a it's got, you have to come. It's see a brilliant. It's a so basically, so Federation. I guess is it. Federation archaeologists or something have been doing an excavation underneath old San Fran, well, in old San Francisco, and they found some they found some mm. stuff which doesn't quite make sense. And then and, and Picard's like, well, 
Okay, but surely, why did we have to come back to see this stuff that doesn't quite make sense? And then, well, this is why. And then, ta-da! It's Deus Head! <laughs> yeah. It just made me, I mean, I mean, clearly that's the whole selling point for the for the episode. So you do need that moment, I suppose. But it just makes me chuckle that, that they didn't tell them. They said, you know, you have to come down and see it. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> and then find the, out. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Curious, Doctor. If our greater experts on Earth to investigate your mystery, why bring the Enterprise all the way home? As we continued our excavation, we found one other thing I haven't shown you yet. You can almost see Picard sort of like, what the hell have they called us all the way back here for? I've been doing some serious outer space diplomacy. <clears throat> I just, what? Um, and yeah, it's like... Yeah. I, I'm still not sure why they couldn't have told them over subspace, but it is an, an amazing reveal, so you can't let it go. Yeah, I think they probably thought, well, we we uh, we if we if we told them, um, they might get freaked out uh, and and they wouldn't come, <laughs> or or maybe they were like, oh, well, wait a minute, um, oh no, no, Nemesis hasn't happened at this point, have they? I'm thinking of the other time that Data loses his head and it's a key plot. <laughs> Or they find a data head, rather. Uh, but yeah, they, the Nemesis kind of steals that idea from from Time's Arrow. But well, they didn't want to shock Data, maybe. Like, well, sometimes Data goes nuts. <laughs> we don't want him to go nuts if he finds out his head's on Earth. That, yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that was it. Uh, but I, I actually, I, I really like the the sort of pre credit tease um and the reveal of data's head i i i really really remember remember it from the from the first time i saw it as a kind of a a standout like oh my god it's data's head it's 500 yeah. what and it, it you know it's a really impactful moment yeah. isn't it? taking it a step back it's it's completely silly <laughs> yeah but it, yeah when i when i first saw it i was i was i was like right i'm hooked Sold. What other character can you do that with? Uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, if yeah, if you found Troy's head, um, just just would be really distressing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Worf points out a little bit later after they've been discussing it. Um, I think Worf like then says to us, um, maybe maybe to Riker, and says, "If if we all die in that cave hundreds of years ago, you know, our, our bones will be dust." There'd be no way to tell. <laughs> I'm like, he did. Cheers, Wolf. Thanks. That's really, that's really uplifting. Yeah. Yeah, me, me and Tom really, we're really laughing at that. Like, there's, there's some weird sort of relish in Wolf's voice it when is, he says, "He's quite, he's quite keen on the idea." If we find Commander Data, it may be our fate to die with him in the past. If our remains are in that cavern, they would have turned to dust long ago. Yeah, he loves the idea of dying in the past. He's like, oh, oh what if we go back in time and all die? It's like, woof. Calm it's down. Like, it's like literally getting up in Riker's face and we'd be dust. There'd be nothing of us. We'd all be dead and you could never tell. <laughs> and it would be glorious. <laughs> he says that, but he doesn't know how they all died. <laughs> Riker's like, a embarrassing man. accident on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Riker's like, yeah, you're not coming, Wolf. <laughs> they literally don't take him. No, so. probably I, because of that moment. Yeah, I mean, I I assume that they didn't take him because he's 
he's a Klingon, so he's going to look out of place in a sort of 19th century Earth. Well, yes. But, you know, it it could also be because he's he's got a massive boner for dying in the past and turning into dust. <laughs> earlier, but um, early on in uh, Time's Era Part 1, it is played pretty seriously, I found. Mm. Like, um, a lot of they, they deal with like data. Well, it doesn't, data doesn't have an existential crisis. I think everyone's perhaps expecting him to. Everyone else is sort of taking it worse than data is. Yeah, Riker's almost angry. Yeah, with right, that's like, it. You're poking out in your own head and you're not bothered. It's like, no, Riker, for five years we have gone over this. He's an android. He doesn't have emotions. Have you forgotten? Riker is weirdly angry in this episode, at, at, the, at this idea, isn't it? And it was almost like they was they sort of thought, right, well, we've got a lot of time to kill in this episode. So let's, let's have about 20 minutes where everyone's talking about how they feel about uh, data dying. How's everyone going to react? Uh, Riker's Riker's a Riker's a big tough man. He will be angry. <laughs> he is though. This is consistent with his character. He he, yeah. he he handles grief with anger. Um, you see it in Gambit when they think that Picard's been vaporized. He's furious. Yeah. Um, so I think at least it's consistent with his character. But I mean, saying that, I do like that they did spend a bit of time having some reaction to that and getting a little bit under the skin of the crew and how they felt. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like the the whole like Data's outlook on it is really positive. He's sort of saying, "Well, this is this is something that actually makes me feel closer to understanding what being human is like because my my mm-hmm. lifespan is finite, and I I know that now." It's a really interesting perspective. I thought. Yeah, that's kind of a cool way to look at it. Mm. No. And I, I like that Data can find the positives in, yeah. in finding his own head. I like that the episode can can take the time to sort of dwell on that. I mean, it, you know, it's like, well, let's just uh, let's just put the plot on hold for a while. Let's spend a good quarter of an hour just talking about how how Data feels about how he's going to die. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah. yeah. And then, because they can just get back on tracks by oh, anyway, while we're talking about feelings, someone is sciencing, and we have to go to this planet. Yeah, Data found sorry. some. Yeah. Sorry, Geordie found some some tiny little like micro animals, micro fossils that don't come from Earth. Mm. Yeah, but well, they found they found the planet where did they do it does come from, and they and they go to that planet, and 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 that takes the story forward in terms of what's actually happening, where, where we're gonna where we're gonna go with with these episodes because they find that yeah. they um there's some sort of well some weird sort of non-corporeal aliens that sort of live in a slightly different dimension yeah that that's right um so some of that some of that doesn't make a, a whole heap of sense to me not not so much the idea that that these these um aliens could be sort of out of phase with the rest of of reality that 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 seemed okay but it was kind of the the sort of techno babble explanation that that data would be able to uh kind of go out of phase with our reality into the so that he could see these aliens but they would the crew would wouldn't be able to see him but they could still hear him (laughs) why (laughs) because what but it's just the sort of yeah because they they haven't got, they haven't got like, was it a phase discriminator sensitive enough? 
except for the ones yeah. Handley built into Data's head. But also, the communicators are still able to traverse this, yeah. this time phase discrepancy. But I don't know. It's just a bit of a. It's a sort of a TV device, isn't it? They, they, they kind of thought, well, we still yeah. want to be able to hear Data because he's going to have to. He's going to have to be data exposition for a while because we we can't see what's going on. Yeah, I guess Picard Picard's kept him up in the Enterprise, hasn't he? Just to to preclude the to preclude the chances of data dying. Picard's like, well, yeah, data, you stay yeah. up here because we don't. But then that they need the face discriminator in his head. So yeah, yeah. I do. It's, it's quite a subtle moment because Riker kind of just picks his away team, and Data turns around expecting, as he normally would be, to be selected. Then he sort of looks a little bit confused that he wasn't. And he, um, so, Data, even asks for it. He uh, has some time out in Picard's office, doesn't he? And they they talk about yeah. it, which I, I liked that. So that was really interesting. Yeah. But it it is a bit of a kicker that the whole time Picard's like, oh, I can't, oh God, Data's going to die. I can't send him anywhere. I can't send him down to a to a planet because he's going to die. And Data's like, oh, you can't just, you can't be like this because, like the first planet we come across, we do, we don't know when when I'm going to die. It's not this could be a completely unrelated mission. Picard's like, oh, okay, and he goes down to the planet and immediately disappears. <laughs> oh, great, he's dead. To employ an aphorism, one cannot cheat fate cheat fate perhaps we can't mr data but at least we can give it a try well i mean if they were that bothered they should have just not followed up the uh the, the, the stuff about davidia three yeah yeah you just said well let's just let's just carry on with what we were doing before <laughs> that's a good point um but yeah, so the the aliens that we do, we find on the planet, we don't actually learn a whole lot about these aliens, do we? I mean, what we what we sort of get in 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 that sort of initial sequence, and then we we sort of get a little bit more later on. But it's it's interesting in the all of the the sort of strange alien encounters we we have in Star Trek. Feels like this one stands out as as one where. Maybe those those aliens aren't sort of explored as much as you might expect. Yeah, I, I did like that. I thought it was very, it's quite out there, out there concept for them. Like they've they're aliens, and they have another alien to f- help them feed, like the Ophidian, the the stick. There was a stick in in the corporeal mm. world, and it's a snake in in their world. But it seems like it's yeah, something they use. Yeah. It's not. And then, they, yeah, it sounds like it was a cool concept. I thought it's not. It's a in terms of the types of species that we see in Star Trek. You know, it was, it was good to have like a non. It is oh, a, yeah. essentially like a non-corporeal species that's doing stuff too. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> it it pushed it pushed the boundaries a bit as a concept. I thought it was it was it was quite oh. genius. But yeah, as as Will says, they didn't really flesh them out. And what they're doing, they seem amount. to be feeding on. Like well, human energy, for want of a better word. Yeah, like, uh... I think it's like yeah. I think Crusher says it's like neural energy, but but it's basically they're they're, they're sort of soul seeders, feeders, aren't yeah, they? Basically, right? which again, like we said, it's a, it's a pretty out there concept for for Star Trek that usually pr- sticks pretty close to the to the science. 
Although they don't, no one ever says uh, those aliens are stealing people's souls. Yeah, but like visually, that it's clearly that's what's that's what's happening. Mm. Yeah, because they even make a point where um, Troy initially senses what seems to be helpless captured people, and then exclaims later, "It's sort of an imprint." And you can sort of say, "Well, that sounds like you know they are pulling because they're not physically pulling bodies back there." They're pulling this energy, and Troy senses things like that. So it's saying it could very much be argued that they're taking someone's essence or soul to feed yeah. on. And if you wanted to get a little bit metaphysical, um, and then that becomes quite a really creepy and disturbing concept. Yeah, if it, it feels like to me, maybe in an earlier draft, they do they are more specific, and they are you know maybe they that was the original concept that that these aliens would be stealing people's souls. And then maybe they sort of thought, well, hang on a minute. Mate, is, does that really fit with TNG? Maybe maybe we just won't say it like that. Maybe we'll say it's neural energy or an, or an imprint. Yeah, maybe we'll include it in like a, a time-travelling kind of romp with data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, yeah. Put it, we'll put it in with that and then it won't be so, it won't be so dark. And, and Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so yeah, but Data fun. wakes up. Data gets lost in when on this kind of mission to see what these aliens are up to, and he wakes up um, on a street, and it turns out that he's yeah. in like late late nineteenth century San Francisco. <clears throat> yeah, we spend quite a lot of time with Data then. Like, I, it did strike me that the the pacing seemed seemed odd in in these episodes like uh, we've we've been with the sort of the whole crew for a for a while and then it then we sort of get a, like a good sort of 10 minute sequence where we're just with data um we and we don't go back to the to the rest of the crew for ages hmm. we get to see him sort of yes. he's like he's sort of a bit of a fish out of water um oh, i can't remember. Uh, is it a uh, do they think, think he's a frenchman yeah you go, ah a frenchman yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> yeah that was that made me laugh i think that's probably one of the things that like definitely as a writer they're probably thinking this will be what what people really enjoy is seeing this peter as a fish out of water kind of thing this 24th century android trying to bumble his way around a time that he's not used to kind of thing ah because you know they've got a lot of mileage out there in star trek 4 um yeah, yeah, and it's, okay. it does feel very Star Trek Four, yeah. actually. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of it's it's a frequent thing, I think, in Star Trek time travel. Sitting on the edge of forever has lengthy sequences like the that oh, how do we explain box ears and the silly thing about the mechanical rice picker? So I think this is like a a play on that. Oh yeah, around claiming to be French. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, data does seem to find things quite easy once you sort of figure out where he is. That's- yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. He 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 doesn't really seem like a fish out of water for for very long because he 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 picks things up really quickly. I mean, it's it's not very long before he's he's gone off to do some gambling and become filthy rich. <laughs> now he can just buy everything he needs. <laughs> so you know, he doesn't have a problem paying his rent or anything like that. He stays in a fancy hotel room for a while. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of a manservant. Yeah, well, the bell, like the bellboy, I guess. After he beats Goldacart at um, the poker. Oh, yes, yeah, that's right. It is Goldacart, isn't it? Yeah. 
something slightly surreal about yeah, uh, it's a fun scene. like an oldie worldy Goldicott talking French. Ah, mes parents sont originaires de Bourgogne. Je suis né à la New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. He's really good, though. I mean, he, he's he's not in the episode for very long, but he makes an impression. Yeah, well, he's got that sort of air about him, hasn't he? I think. Yeah, mm. yeah. And there's the scenes as well. Um, once Data has some things that he needs to start making that device that that he needs to, I don't know, find find that. Um, does he need to find that kind of? Um, place where the aliens live again is that what he's trying to do he's building the face yeah, he's basically scanning yeah. for distortions or something isn't he though he claims it's a new combustion <laughs> engine doesn't he and um yeah and it, that those scenes where he's building that remind me of the scenes in city of the edge forever where spock's trying to spock's doing something similar isn't he he's getting bits and bobs in these of course yeah yeah, there's actually a lot of similarities. Um, as soon as you get into the story with Data being in the past, it does sort of follow City on the Edge of Forever mm-hmm. quite closely in some ways. Yeah, there's definitely some... I think there's some things definitely meant to echo it. Right, so. Yeah. Um, and then we... Back on the, back on the ship... Um, the the crew are going to go down to the planet, aren't they? To, uh, I can't. Are they going to? Are they going to go through this? How are they planning yeah, to so go the, through the portal? The, the, the to, very to sensitive follow? bit of equipment that they definitely couldn't build themselves and have no chance of. of, of they have nothing. Don't have it. They can't build it. Only the what's in Data's head will work. Laforge says, well, "Actually, I could probably could build one. It'll just take me a little while." <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. It takes him like forty-five minutes. He <laughs> <laughs> just couldn't be asked. He uh, knew it'd be hard work. And then because like, I don't want anyone alone. Laforge says, "No, I can make it big enough for everyone." It's like for the sake Laforge. <laughs> yeah, that would have been much better than using like Data's head. <laughs> now, why didn't you use that in the first place, Laforge? <laughs> My hero. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the point where Wolf, uh, Wolf makes his happy note about them turning to Yeah, dust. and Riker's like, Rip, you're staying here, buddy. <laughs> um, um, no, but, so then Picard goes to have a chat with Guinan. Yes. Because in high-stress situations, let's go down to the bar and have and get drunk. drunk. <laughs> and Guinan, Guinan says that he has to be um, on the away team. So it's kind right? Yeah. She's very mysterious. She she pretty much winks at the camera and says, "You have to be on the away team because you're going to go back in time and meet me." <laughs> yeah, except she she can't be like, that clear. So, uh, no, she has to go into this no, enterprise levels of um, impossibly cryptic. So, yeah, there's not a lot of subtlety in that scene, though. Like, it's pretty obvious what they're signposting. Yes. Yeah, it's made me chuckle, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a good tease though because because we we've always known that there's been been something between Picard and Guinan, um, and Guinan's been you know Guinan's such a mysterious character that they clearly the writers didn't really know what her backstory was going to be, and this this episode does give them a chance to to kind of explore that a little mm-hmm. bit. 
Mm. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Yes, absolutely. Because I think then we cut back to to the past, uh, Data's building his machine. And it's shortly around this time he sees a guy in the, in the newspaper. Just, yes, uh, yeah. Almost as, almost as crazy as when they found his head in the cavern at the beginning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So data data decides that he has to kind of he can he can find Guinan. He thinks he initially thinks that I guess that she's she might have traveled back in time too, but that's not the case. But um, he finds her at a sort of a salon, like a a meeting a, a meeting of uh, the upper class, a literary of, reception, a literary reception attended by attended by uh, yeah. Mark Twain. Mark Mark Twain is <laughs> <laughs> uh, a. a Kind of a left field addition to this episode, I felt. <laughs> he is, and he's he plays a much bigger part in part two, I would say. But he get in the in the first episode, he gets like gets like an epic monologue. Uh, he goes on oh. for ages about uh, yeah, it's about Alfred Russell Wallace, and... isn't it? He's he's, he's talking yes. about Alfred isn't... Russell Wallace states that we are yeah. in the center of the universe. And... The eminent scientist Alfred Russell Wallace has revived the theory that Earth is at the center of the stellar universe. <laughs> but I think what it is is that I think for a lot of actors, especially American actors, that the pinnacle of their career, or something they have to do in their career at some point, is is like a one man show as Mark Twain, and and the guy who plays him is Jerry Hardin, I think, who was yes. who was Deep Throat yeah. in the X Files as well. Um, oh right. Uh, but Jerry Harden's like got a re- is renowned as doing this sort of Mark Twain sang Clemens, um, which is actually stems from this because like, he wasn't very overly familiar with Twain before this episode apparently. Yeah, I can't. Really? <clears throat> I can't remember. I can't remember if when I watched this before, I thought it was. I thought it was Colonel Sanders and not Mark Twain. <laughs> Why is Colonel Sanders in? Why is he not here? How does Data losing his head tie with the origin of the of the, of the um, chicken? <laughs> but it is good. It's, it's a kind of a it's a it's a fun addition to the to the story. I felt. Like. Oh, you, you can tell the actor is just going and having a, such a, yeah. such. Break. And he, he totally basically overshadows the other stuff going on. All of a sudden, it's like you got, you got caught up in the drama, the time travel, all the other bits. And all of a sudden, there's this guy just going crazy, being Mark Twain. And it's like, okay, yeah, I didn't yeah. see this one coming, actually. It's interesting because they, they clearly spent some money on the on the sets in this episode, which is, is a shame because that guy was he just chewed up all the scenery <laughs> in every scene he was in. That was a really I like clunky no, I like that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That's probably why you had to invent that special, those special spices for his chicken coating to make the scenery take <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, um, yeah, so but data, data manages to kind of force his way into this meeting and talk to talk to Guinan and but um but it's Mark Twain Clemens, they call him. Samuel Clemens, who he sort of he overhears it, and doesn't he? And and then from that point, yeah. on, was, I mean, at this point, this is towards the end of part one. But then for going forward, Clemens will be the sort of a kind of a fly in the ointment, I would say, of of their plans, yeah. like, a, like an obstacle. Um, 
He's um, he, he very much feels like a like an original series character. Like yeah. a, again, when when Kirk and Spock would end up going back in time, and you know, I, I don't know, some, something or other would happen. But 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 that that sort of um, that sort of character who who sort of who's kind of onto them. Um, it feels like a very original series idea. No, I agree. I I think this two-parter does have a lot of... It did remind me a lot of the original series. I think perhaps because a lot of it is sort of filmed on that... I feel like it's the Paramount lot, isn't it, mm. with all those old buildings? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I think yeah. it reminded me a lot echo, of that. Echo original series and travel bits as well. I think, mm. I think they'll have to play on yeah. the nostalgia factor a little bit. Yeah, definitely. What's the um, time travel episode of the original series where they go back in time to a? It's like a sort of a. Is it like a military base? Maybe. Are oh, you thinking of the first um, one where they accidentally kidnap the airman from his plane? Yes, that that is what I'm thinking Tomorrow of. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's. Um, yeah, they they t- they take him to the ship and everything, don't they? And that 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 sort of mirrors something that happens in the in the second yeah. part where where Mark Twain ends up on the ship. Yeah. It feels feels really yeah, familiar. There is one. Considered that. That's a good point. Yeah, the addition the of there's one thing I noticed that it made me think of when Mark Twain's character. Um, I feel like uh, at the end of part one, Mark Twain he's found this mystery, he's found this sort of mystery that he doesn't like. Madame Guinan and this mysterious her mysterious friend are up to something. I, I just felt like. Like Mark Twain should go. Ah, this this seems like a mystery that's worthy of the assistance of my old friend Scooby Doo. <laughs> and 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 and, um, <laughs> and it feels like it, it it did have a bit of Scooby Doo energy in it. Like like Mark Twain was the one trying to solve this mystery um, and trying to get under what these people are up to. You know, like it had that sort of yeah. I, I can only really describe it as like a yeah, it, it, part two did feel a bit like a Scooby Doo mm. episode in places in in a really good way. <laughs> I, I, I've, got, I've got to confess when when Rick suggested doing this uh, this episode <clears throat> within seconds, I thought Rick's going to be going to be imitating Mark Twain in this, isn't he? <laughs> We're going to see some Mark Twain impressions. <laughs> yes, I yes I am, and I I like to think that my impression <laughs> is worthy of note. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got me. That's what, it's the only reason I suggested this episode. I have to admit, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. They, I was just thinking, they, this interest, this episode could have played out a bit differently. You, you could have had the whole episode from the perspective of Mark Twain, um, and have him as the as the main character, and, and sort of uh, encountering these these sort of time traveling people from the future. And but you know, as the as the audience, we understand that they're they're the crew of the Enterprise, but from from Mark Twain's perspective, he doesn't know who they are. That could have been a sort of an interesting, kind of risky way to tell the story. Yeah, although you would have then lost the awesome open, opening teaser with Data's head and everything. That's true. That's true. I'd almost forgotten about it by this point. Because I suppose like yeah, Mark Twain overrides a lot of stuff. I think. He does, doesn't he? He does sort of overshadow everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it, it would have been an awesome way to do it. I think because they started, they did a similar thing um, in Doctor Who, they, when they had the episode where they focused on people whose lives had been touched by the Doctor in a way. 
Yeah, yeah. That's a really good episode, I seem to think. Mm. Yes, and in that episode, you literally have this one guy's point of view as he meets other people and they all talk about the Doctor or the things they've heard about him. So you totally see the Doctor's brief visit into his life from his point of view. And so what you're saying there would have been an awesome way to do it. Mm. It also Um, reminds me... it could be a bit like that episode of TNG where Riker is... Is he undercover in a... Um, it's like a sort of first contact situation. So obviously... Uh, they've, it's called they've, first contact. Yes, yeah. So obviously they've done something incredibly risky and put Riker in makeup and sent him down to the planet only for something to go wrong and for him to sort of be discovered. Uh, but that... that I, I seem to recall that sort of plays out from the mostly from the perspective of the... Um, of the characters on the planet and not from the, the perspective mm. of the of the crew yeah we, i think definitely explore their side of the the their side of it much uh, much more than we normally do in other episodes yeah, so, uh, yeah. it would have yeah, been but, awesome but but also yeah i mean i'd hate to lose that teaser yeah. with the head yeah yeah that's but anyway we're, we're gonna give it a that would have been good yeah. So anyway, but yeah. anyway, also at this point, um, the the rest of the well, the main the main sort of characters of the Enterprise crew of the show are they're back in the same time period, and they're they're sort of set up as a troop of as a troop of actors, weirdly, and but they also they have lots oh, of costumes. Yeah. I've noticed. I was well, they... a bit. First of all, we sort of get the cliffhanger at the, yes. the end of part one, don't we? Where they, which 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 does play out quite matter of factly. I thought they they kind of beam down to the planet again. Um, then they all go out of phase with Geordie's technology that he's that he's whipped up. They kind of see what's going on, and then they they all just without really even discussing it, they all just walk into that portal, <laughs> uh, and then the cliff then that bit <laughs> cliffhanger. It was it, it kind of lacked a bit of the the sort of dramatic tension that I was expecting from a cliffhanger, to be honest. Although I did like that we got to see a little bit of the Davidians' natural state there. Yeah, they, they, they yeah. Kind of out there in terms of their design and look and feel, and to see our yeah. people sort of wandering amongst them was quite a cool. Well, uh, cool. Huh? Yeah, and they, they didn't seem bothered by they didn't seem bothered by. Um, the 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 Enterprise crew no. being in that realm, like uh, they just seem to carry on, kind of absorbing their soul yeah. energy. I, th- I thought the effects were good as well. I thought it was well realised, actually. Mm. Yes, they do look good. Yeah. yeah. But yes, um, sorry, Rick. Then yeah, then as as part two starts up, it's some time has passed, and we sort of skipped over. What probably what could have been some tedious and obvious stuff about the the crew being fish out fishes out of water. I guess we've sort of done yeah. that with data already. So I, I quite like that we skip ahead and um, yeah, they they've set themselves up as an acting yeah, troop for some reason, haven't they? <laughs> or is that just what they say to the landlady? I think that's just their cover, yeah. isn't it? They're not really. I don't think they're putting on these shows because later on, obviously, Riker's posing as a policeman and Crusher's posing as a nurse. So, but are they just? I was thinking, are they just doing that in that room, or do they just kind of go off and 
I mean, I, I got a bit confused because they, they all seem to be different characters. <laughs> yeah. The masters of the sky. Yeah, so they're in that. Aren't they? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to see them all dressed up. Um, I guess they're looking for um, they're looking for those aliens, aren't they? They're they're trying to find. Yeah. Are they try, I mean, because they're, they're in a morgue, aren't they? And there's a and they're trying to find yeah. kind of evidence of these aliens using using that ophidian. I think because that ophidian can sort of it can it, it can can it open. I mean, it seems like it's like a do everything kind of bit of technology that. Will help them yeah yeah they, they sort of cotton on to the overall plan that um the divisions feed on the neural energy and they've picked a historical spot where they can abduct a lot of people under cover of disease ridden at times and no one's sort of gonna twig hey there's a lot of people dying all of a sudden yeah and, and there's a bit where um there's a bit where Riker gets found out as a policeman um, and he and he just he punches them. that. That felt like a very original series <laughs> yeah. kind of moment. I, I, I liked his way. I just want you to know I have the utmost <laughs> respect for the law. I just want you to know that I have the utmost respect for the law. Let's go. Punch. I. Really well I, I really like the, um, the 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 troublesome landlady who's always after the, the rent from Picard <laughs> or Pickard, Mister Pickard, Mister Pickard. No, <laughs> where's that rent, Mister Pickard? I'll be reminding you that it's one o'clock. Yes. One o'clock on a Thursday. I'm sure I made it clear to you that the rent is always due, payable in full, by one o'clock on Wednesdays. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, and because it's um, Data's Cockney housekeeper from All Good Things, same actress. Is it the same actress? Ah, I thought, I thought yeah, it was. I thought she she seemed really familiar, and, and I, I felt like she should be a Cockney. <laughs> Yeah, because she's she's Irish in this, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's Irish. She's she's she Cockney by all good things. <laughs> yeah, but she she's a great character, um, and they 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 have a bit of a mess around where they're they're claiming to be an acting troupe, aren't they? And they they do this kind of thing where instead of paying her the rent, they they give her a part to distract her from the fact that they owe her like a ton of money. They give her a part. I love that because. Yeah, Picard really turns the charm on yeah. as well. I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. When um, Gemma felt really sorry for her because she like she seems really pleased that she's going to be at a play and stuff, and she Gemma was like, well, "They're not really going to do a play. <laughs> What's she going to do when she finds out?" <laughs> that poor lady. But he gets. Um, yeah. He asks Mark Twain to settle her bill, to settle their their lodging ah, bills. Ah, so right. Oh, yeah. She won't be out of pocket, I suppose. Oh, for you. But yeah, I know what you mean. And it was it was fun to see that side of Picard. And again, mm. again, it felt like a, I, I could definitely imagine like Kirk doing that in an original series. Oh, like, absolutely. Just, just yeah. that kind of that kind of ad libbing yeah. and and stuff like that. It'd be a lot. Of, it, it was great. I really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> considering and considering the episode has this had this quite dark beginning with Data's potential death and these creepy aliens that steal souls. It's a, it's a weird, it's a nice sort of 
in a way, it's a nice counterpoint to have this. This what essentially becomes quite a fun episode. It, does. it picks up the fun. Yeah, episode. yeah. There's some. I mean, there's 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 some comedy in it that really works. I think. Yeah, I think Next Gen can do very good comedy when it's mm. when it's written well. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is a really good example of it. Yeah, as we as we were saying before, we get a lot more uh, Mark Twain in the second yes. part, and there's there's kind of a so that they, they all sort of end up back in that cave, don't they? Um, and then, how is it that Mark Twain ends up back on the ship? I oh, he, he sort of follows a portal yeah, opens up, grabs the um, the Ophidian cane, and accidentally That's activates it. it. However, he kind of pretty much activates it over his own body, blowing his own head off. Um, yeah. He yeah. orders everyone else to run back through the portal while he tends to an injured Guinan. And then Twain runs through after them. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot happens in that scene. <laughs> a very busy scene. Because <laughs> it, 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 struck, it struck me at that point that we... We sort of get this idea that that Picard and Guinan uh, have have a you know a kind of a relationship or you know something pretty deep, um, but they haven't really had much screen time together at all until until this point where they sort of get split up, and then Picard stays behind to save Guinan's life, doesn't mm. he? Um, and that's kind of where they where they bond. Where she sort of remembers him, I suppose. But I, there, there was a part of me that was a little bit disappointed that 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 was sort of all it was. Like I was hoping there was more that happened between Picard and Guinan, and really all that happened was they they just hung out for a while in a cave uh, while she was wounded. Yeah. And I yeah. think there's still more to their to their story. Prior to her coming on yeah, board, the Enterprise. Yeah, well, Picard knew her prior. Picard did know her previously to that, so I think she, her, and Picard encounter each other in normal time frames to each other. And obviously, at that point, then she has the memory from San Francisco, and so she would imagine. I would imagine then initiate their friendship, but probably there's a there's a bigger story there to be told yeah, still. Yeah. Do you think they ever? Uh, think, you know. Had had sex? <coughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I think maybe they did. I think maybe something's gone on there in in the past. Well, they always say you know that it's beyond yeah. friendship, and it's like you kind of think, well, where where how you know where does how does it go beyond friendship? Yeah, to me that means sex. Uh, there it is. <laughs> Surely, maybe he nailed her in that cave, off screen. Oh dear, I don't. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like. I'm not saying she wasn't consenting. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, getting into rated territory. Oh, there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, then we 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 sort of get uh, some lengthy scenes with Mark Twain on the Enterprise, uh, just being being all confused. And but then, but then eventually he's he um, he's pretty happy with how the future turned out. Um, I quite like the, when he's sort of coming to the realization about people working for a common good rather than just for their own benefit. Yeah, 
quite a nice sort of thing because it's, it's also sort of a summation of you know the, the vision that star trek's aspiring to it is uh, and he's, he, yeah he's, he's won over by that that future and um the sort of positivity of it and yeah that's that's interesting because yeah he, he does have he does get the future described to him as a Almost, it's almost like a pitch or a sort of reminder of what the Federation is, is all about. Poverty was eliminated on Earth a long time ago, and a lot of other things disappeared with it. Hopelessness, despair, cruelty. Young lady, I come from a time when men achieved power and wealth by standing on the backs of the poor, where prejudice and intolerance are commonplace and power is an end unto itself. And you're telling me that isn't how it is anymore? That's right. Yeah, because yeah, he, he, cool. he, he assumes that people are waited on. Like, don't, doesn't he? On yeah. that ship, I think, yeah. This man is your servant, I assume. Like, no, no, he's not Mark Twain. Like, <laughs> this works here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he works here but, uh, for no money. Yeah. So, is he a <laughs> servant or? <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the nineteenth century with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he he volunteers yeah. to go back, doesn't he? Because there's there's a convoluted kind of idea that they they can only send one person back to to then to to sort of rescue Picard, um, and then that person won't be able to come back. I, but but, but yeah. why? <laughs> why is that the case? But anyway, Mark, Mark conveniently, Mark Twain is happy to go. I have more books to write, he says. Oh, there's also a slight yes. trouble. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the dramatic thing that they need to destroy the cave and oh, stop yeah. the Gideon's harvesting. Wolf cannot wait to fire some photons on that. <laughs> on that cave and blow it up. I recommend we target photon torpedoes on the alien habitat and destroy it immediately. Well, you know, he's got to get yeah. something out of this episode. He's already failed to die in the past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's interesting, though. This is this is um, sort of going back to to what I was saying before. I don't think we really fully explore the, these aliens and what they're what they're all about. Why why they're feeding on on souls from the past and what how that how does their sort of society work and, and stuff? But the you know, the, the solution is, uh, let's just blow them up. Uh, oh, okay. So no, nothing else to be learned there, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, they are a threat to Earth, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Earth's past as well, I suppose. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But then, then you kind of like, actually, when you look back at it, are they? Mm. Because... When you look at the, the the model of time travel for this episode, it's almost like entirely predestination paradox. Yeah, that that's an interesting thing because they in in a lot of episodes of Star Trek when they when time travel is involved, they're all about trying to change the past, or you know, like in yesterday's Enterprise where they're trying to they're in an alternate <coughs> alternate timeline and they're trying to trying to prevent the war with the Klingons. And and this episode, nobody nobody's really. They all just accept the fact that Data is going to die because they found his head. Um, 
they are actively yeah. to avoid it. But it basically, an investigate the finding the head triggers the investigation, that triggers the time travel event, that triggers yeah. losing the head. Um, and, you know, so it all kind of goes around in a circular motion. Yeah, sort of yeah. thing, doesn't it? You know, at, at no point on the computer say, "I've just discovered that um, history's been changed, and our records show Samuel Clemens disappeared." Um, and didn't write the books that I remember him writing. Yeah, yeah, like every, everything, um, yeah, everything sort of basically makes sense from a time travel point of view because, yeah, nothing is changed, is it? Compare it to say like Deep Space Nine's past tense, where Cisco has to actively fill yeah. in for someone who who was killed because of their presence, and then suddenly when they get back, all the historical texts have got a picture of Cisco next to this guy's name. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, shit. <laughs> Um, they, they even referenced that up again in, um, in uh, uh, right. Little Green Men. Yeah. Nog notices yeah. it. Um, and in Voyager's Future's End two-parter, um, Captain Braxton, as a homeless man on the streets of LA in the 20th century, says, um, says it's, all, it, it's all a circular thing. He, he discovered the destru- destruction in his time found Voyager is connected, went back in time to stop Voyager, caused the event to them to go back. So um, this guy gets his time ship and goes to the future and causes the destruction, sort of the circuit thing. Yeah. But Voyager breaks that cycle in that one. In this thing, in this time, it's like kind of like, well, actually, the Davidians are only as, as much of a risk as the, as the circle of the time travel allows. They're not going to change time because the yeah. whole thing's happened. Yeah, yeah that's that If true. you know what I'm saying. But yeah, Worf really wanted to blow something up. So <laughs> he really did. <laughs> yeah, and then that's it. I guess we don't know if there are uh, other. I mean, uh, presumably these aren't the only um, aliens of their kind. So there could be other um, time portals where aliens are going back and uh, feeding on the souls of people in the nineteenth century. But we don't know because the Enterprise crew never decided to follow that up. Well, um, on the on the game Star Trek Online, um, there are some missions that deal with Davidians. Ah, interesting. Okay, they, um, they visit a time. They visit the twenty third century, and so as as you play in it, you 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 follow them back to try and stop their shenanigans, and you end up on a um, a space station and meet McCoy and Scotty. Ah, cool. It's quite fun when you're when you're playing it. You're like, it's like flipping heck, awesome. Um, <laughs> do, they have a, do they have an Ophidian too? Do they do they need that sort of snake alien? Sadly, not. No, no. They brought they broaden out the range of Davidians and their forms because you have to obviously have combat missions with right. them physically. Um, but yeah, they don't have anything quite so clever. You, I think you have to run around closing their portals as well. Oh, okay, but sadly, no Ophidians. Nah. <laughs> oh, um, one thing we haven't mentioned is that we um, and speaking of that predestination paradox, uh, Data's grubby old five hundred year old head that they find they just dust that off and stick it on his body, don't they? Yeah, I was thinking, wondering about that. Yeah, yeah. he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. They, <clears throat> it's odd that they never think about 
Well, they, they, I don't remember them mentioning trying to turn Data's head on until until the until the point where it's convenient for the plot, so they can stick it on his body. In disaster, Riker took Data's head off, um, and plugged it into the engineering computers, and he worked fine independently of his body. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Could have turned yeah. it back on any time, but they, um, yeah, they, they never, they that never seemed to occur to anyone on the crew until until they had because it's not dramatically, yeah. And I guess it would have it would have spoiled the plot if they'd have immediately said, well, you know, right at the beginning of the episode, but when they when we get the tease where they find his head, and Geordie could have said, well, let's just switch it on, and then and then Data could have actually just told them everything. <laughs> Yeah, but no, that I guess that would that wouldn't that would have spoiled every, the the whole episode effectively. Yes, it wouldn't have been nearly as much fun. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting um, two parter because I it's one that I I've rarely revisited over the years. Like I said, because it's not one of the big ones. It's not sort of best of both worlds, and it's it doesn't it's it doesn't seem to have a whole lot at stake. Um, but revisiting it this time, I, I did really enjoy it, and I remember really enjoying it first time around as well. I, it's, it's it's oddly paced, and it, it doesn't feel like it has a whole lot of story to it, but but somehow, but it does have a lot of charm to hmm. it, and it, it's a whole lot of fun. Like it's it's all a bit it's all a bit silly, but I yeah I I I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it changes tone quite a lot. I found like it it starts off yeah. quite serious, and then it gets a bit silly, and it stays a bit. It stays mostly silly, and then it gets a bit serious again, and then it's sort of yeah. It's it, it's mm-hmm. an, it's a, it, like you say it, it is oddly paced, and in it in terms of its tone, it it changes tone quite a lot. But considering those things, it yeah, like you say, it's it's very enjoyable. It and I think as we've been saying over the course of this episode, I think part of that is that it's it's quite reminiscent of an original series episode. It has that sort of energy to it, I think. And it's nice, to, and I guess it's that means that it's nice to see the TNG characters in, in a different setting and, you know, away from what we would normally expect. Yeah, it's, de- it's massively fun. Um, and when you compare to the other two parters, which are very much high drama, this... Um, and this seems to start off in such a way. It's like literally we have a main character dead. We have to find a way to stop it happening. Before long, we sort of got into this sort of kind of like, actually, we're just having a really, low, we're having a load of fun now. Uh, we've got the, the over-the-top Mark Twain. We've got all the out-of-war-time-travel situations. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just really good fun to watch. All the actors get to wear fun costumes and you know they all look pretty cool in their in their older 19th century costumes actually yeah geordie looks really dapper (laughs) he's got a lovely suit (laughs) yeah some nice sunglasses yeah (laughs) he looks really cool but it, it, I imagine that the actors had a lot of fun making this episode because they, you know, they got to go to some different locations and dress up and and kind of be different characters, I suppose. Yeah. 
it feels like some of some of that sort of fun rubs off on screen, as it were. Yeah. Um, cool. Has, has anyone else got anything they want to say about Time's Arrow? Um, well, one thing was was Warfing was Warfing command of the Enterprise while everyone else was back in the nineteenth century. Uh, I guess he would be. I was just, I was just wondering because everyone else, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because if that was the case, and that would mean this was the first time that 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 Worf was in command of a starship since. But but no, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> just a question. It would be nice to see that, but I guess that wouldn't have anything really to do with the main story. It would have just been like an aside of just Worf just sat in the captain's chair going, "How how are things going?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, can I blow up that cave yet? Please, can I? Blow I wish up I was cave? dust. I wish my bones were dust. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was dead <laughs> in the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Um, so, do you think we should? Should we wrap it up there, guys? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okie dokie. Well, yeah. um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Yeah. And. Uh, Sorry, you no, go, no, Rick. it's fine. I was going to say, yeah, um, we'll be back again soon with a with another episode. This has been this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. cheers. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. bye. Love you. Bye. Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed that bum? What? That bum. Oh no! I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay enough of this self-indulgence thank you so much for listening to our podcast if you want to get in touch with us our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk you can reach us on the twitters at at 10 backward 10 being the number and backward being the word backward we're also on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast you can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can... Uh, pledge small amounts to fund uh, ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along, and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content. Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash loweredexradio. Uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us, we would love it if you could subscribe to us on however get your podcasts through iTunes, Stitcher, google play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative thanks again for listening and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 backward crew let's make sure that history never forgets the name 10 backward laddie don't you think you should rephrase that 10 backward 10 backward the eminent scientist Alfred Russell Wallace has revived the theory that Earth is at the center of the stellar universe.